Family's podcast. Uh, this is Remy Perez, uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, I don't know what he does for a day job, but uh, he just got home from work and uh, hit him up. Uh, we've kind of mutually known each other uh, since 2012 when he was in the Navy, but he got out to pursue his comedy career. Uh, I believe you're down now in San Diego. Correct. All right. So my Instagram stalking was correct. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, uh, stand-up comedian, uh, part-time day job dude, um, found him and kind of gave me a little bit of inspiration. And we were just talking about uh, stand-up not being scary. So go ahead and start off, man. Like I wanted to record this just so that we could have it on. on yeah. So so we were just mentioning that uh, uh, I, I asked him, when, when, when uh, have you gotten on stage yet? He said he was too scared so far. Yes. Uh, and I'm <laughs> trying to talk him down, but also talk him up in the sense that uh, for any person who's thinking about trying stand-up comedy, uh, if you're thinking about it, you should definitely do it uh, for five different reasons. One, it gives you a better sense of appreciation. Two, uh, you get to, uh, it's like a, not a characteristic, but the ability to mold conversation, kind of direct conversation, everyday conversation, mundane conversation, intense, important conversation, deep thoughts, or even, you know, just helping you figure out your own feelings. You know, uh, I, I think it helps a lot with that. There's um, uh, one, one of the chiefs uh, in the Navy told me, uh, if you don't know how to explain what you mean, you don't really know what you mean. And so I think with comedy, it's, it's really a really good uh, tool to not just get your point of view across, but to make sure it's being translated for the person across from you. Yeah. So you, you learn their, their language, what, like, what are the words that mean the most to them? What are words that they find funny? What are situations that they find funny? And so if you could figure out what makes them laugh, you can figure out essentially their basic characteristics. Oh, and, uh, sure. and, and that's the, that's the fun part. That's the interesting. And it's like, um, it's like the matrix. Once you open it up, you, know, you can't, <laughs> you can't go back, yeah, you know, because yeah. you realize there is a structure, there is a pattern, there is a cadence, oh, sure. it's everything, 100%. you know? Uh, but why it's not scary is if you've ever told a story once, like, you know, uh, we went to the pool and we ran into Jim, you know, and then uh, and then some kid pooped in the pool. And then now you got a funny story that you can't wait to tell everybody. Right. And as so you go to your next event or next gathering and then you tell the exact same story, but you've learned to like shorten this one part and expand in. Uh, on another part because you, you realize the value in it like where was everyone tuning out where did I get the laughs the first time and that's all it is that's all comedy is right there in a nutshell yeah, yeah my biggest thing is like that kind of holds me back is I got four kids so it's kind of hard for me to leave my wife with the four kids to go out late at night and just go to the club and do it because and I don't know if it was the same thing when you were here um, in 2000 whatever but there's like a big um, comedy scene and all the breweries that popped up, right? And so uh, yeah. like I'm trying to be like I'm trying to reach out to like a couple of the people, a couple of the local comics that are up here. But it's just so hard for me personally just to like leave my family late at night when it's like bedtime to go out and do this. And that's like my biggest hangup. Uh, but I kind of relate stand up to getting up in front of duty section and doing duty section training. It's not so much like being in front of people. But it's just it's like having the premise and the story and being able to articulate it the way that I want it to. And I just like, I don't know, man, but 
it's different. It's, it's really, you know what it is? It's the fear of the unknown. You don't know how they're going to react. Because <laughs> I, I always think of yeah. this scenario. If you had to get it up on a stage in front of like, say, 5,000 people, and they're like, you're going to have to rehearse these lines because we're going to do a play for everybody, you would get a little intimidated. But if they handed you a card and said, this is your only line, and it's just a one word thing, you just have to say your word after somebody else's one word. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's so easy. Yeah. Like, you, you're no longer thinking you're going to mess it up. Now you're just hoping that, you know, whoever wrote this got the, the right message because I don't want to say something that's offensive on stage or whatever, you know, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the basics of it, you know, and as for your family problem, like, dude, leave the family dog. Come on, <laughs> first to leave it for the podcast. Really show that dedication, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. You just got to step off that deep end. But that's uh, right. yeah, back to being like, how did you get into comedy? Like. Was it something that you were drawn to? Because I know, yes. like, I don't know the whole backstory, but I know um, you got out of the Navy to pursue this. Like, what made you want to give up everything to go and do this? Well, that's a, okay, so there's two parts to that. The first one is uh, what got me into comedy. Just, uh, I was homeschooled as a kid, so I, I uh, spent a lot of time in the house, and you okay. find ways to entertain yourself all the time. No. And Comedy Central was just constantly running clips and stuff. So that was like my <laughs> introduction to stand-up comedy. I remember all the right. first album that I heard was, uh, uh, it's one of Seinfeld's first albums. I remember he had a joke about Halloween mask and how they always cut your tongue with yeah. that little slit. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, as a kid, I was relating to it. And I was like, I, I love hearing this kind of this kind of conversation. I love humor. So I've watched all the stand up comedy, uh, premium blend and everything like that. Uh, listening to comics like, uh, you know, Liam Lynch, uh, Pablo Francisco, uh, all, all these great names. And um, uh, I think it was either 2000. I, I can't remember what year it was 2000. I got there 2012 in Washington. I want to say it was maybe 2014 or 2015. I'm pretty sure it's 2015 where I saw one stand-up comedy special on Netflix. And I thought to myself, I'm not better than most of the people that I've seen perform, but I'm definitely better than that guy. <laughs> and if that guy's making a living off of this, I can oh, definitely. Sure. Now, mind you, I feel like anyone who, who realistically does comedy in the beginning is realistically delusional. I think you have to maintain oh, for uh, sure. a certain level. Your eyes slowly peel back the layers of delusion the more you perform. But yeah, most people get up on stage like, oh, dude, I'm so interesting. Like, I'm going to have a Netflix special in like maybe a week. I don't know. They're going to hear about me. And you're not. And like, that's my biggest thing. Like, I got five mouths to feed at the house. Like, I can't go, like, I could. Like, theoretically, I could go and be a poor comic and just eat rice and beans. But um, yeah. Like, but this day and age with with technology, I think this changes it all because you could literally hone your skill in your in in your current area. You don't have to travel anywhere, right? And you can could, do yeah. stuff with your podcast online. There's so much feed. Like you could work out a very similar muscle. Not to say that it 100% translates, but if we're talking stage fright, you'll get over that. If you're talking yeah. coming up with material, you'll find something. Um, and if anything, it'll be more motivating. Because once you have that thing, that nugget that you feel is gold, you can't wait to tell people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like, I don't know. And like, there is, we were watching, me and my wife were watching this Korean soap drama, uh, soap drama, and I just like wrote this premise out. And we were watching it, and they have this white dude that is on screen, and this Korean dude brings him to a restaurant, right? And the white dude just stabs the food with his fork and eats it. And she was like, man. I don't understand chopstick people and my wife's half Filipino 
And so I was like, chopstick people? I was like, you can't say that. Like, you got to come up with something different besides just chopstick people, babe. And she was like, I don't know what to call them. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Chris. I was like, you were just thinking crazy. for when you tell the story, huh? You're like, <laughs> yeah. listen, when I, I tell was, the story, like, this is gold. If I could just figure out a way to tell me. this, it would be phenomenal. But I don't know. Um, but yeah. But so, like, getting into comedy, like, what made you, like, what was the turning point for you to give up a career in the Navy to go and pursue this? You know what? I forgot my second point, which was uh, I left the Navy for more reasons than comedy. Um, so I got to, what was it, uh, nine years active? And, and I, I was about to make that turn of like, hey, you know, you're going to start your next part of your career. So the first five years I spent on the ship and uh, I, I was on a destroyer out in uh, Virginia. And so those were like 18 hour days all day long. Yep. And, you know, you spend 80% of the year out to sea, the 20% that you, you're on shore, you're spending 80% of the day at work, you know, so it was just a really stressful five years. And then I finally got to shore duty for three years. And I told myself, I, I can't really afford to go back out to sea. Like not every ship is like that ship, but I'm rolling the dice. If I say I'm signing up for another five. Yeah. And, uh, and then I realized, okay, so I can't go back out to sea. That was the first thing. Uh, once shore duty, once you touch shore duty, that comfort level of just all that downtime, it, it's just world changing. And, and I was recognizing that, um, in the beginning of joining the military, I feel like we we kind of passed this bubble of all the people living in our hometowns. We're like, oh, we're doing all these things. We're getting job promotions. We're getting responsibilities that like people 10 years older than us don't typically get at our age. For sure. You know, um, and and so you feel a sense of enheightenment, like uh, like you're older and like an old soul. You become an old soul in some ways. Uh and, and all your friends from back in your hometown, yeah, they're still working the same job and making those small changes or, or nothing at all. So you feel like you're, you're just, you know, evolving so quickly. But then there's this thing that happens when, when you're just in the military, you only hang out with military, like um, you, you start to forget what, what civilian life is like and what's important out there. 100%. And, and I, I just remember running into a couple of retired military folk and I was like, oh, it's like, like you, you, you're really likely going to have to get another job afterwards. You know, oh, yeah. uh, if you, if you want to, you know, increase the value in your life, which most people try to do, or, or at least get to, you know, whatever the mansion is that, that most people want. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you have to learn to interact with, with people. Uh, like it's easy to talk about Navy stuff in the Navy. Like you talk about divisions, you talk about, you know, units, you talk about commands, the CEO, the exit, we all pretty much get it. Like life is like a big inside joke with a big old crew, you know? Oh yeah. But, but once you get out of the military, like you got to learn to talk about things, you know, you gotta, you're, you're going to always want to talk about the military in some form of capacity. And I think comedy changes that. I think, um, a lot of people don't want a previous identification when it comes to comedy. I think the second you step on stage, you get to present yourself however you want to present yourself. Like yeah. this is all anyone knows about you is your most clever moments or the topics you want to talk about. So you, you can be anything you want to be. And it's hard to, uh, to be more than just military when you're in the military. So it becomes almost like a personality and, and when you go on stage, you don't, you don't want people to have any like previous notions of you. If you have tattoos, you don't want them to judge you about your tattoos. Um, 
If you have clothing patterns, you don't like the assumption that they know who you are based off of the specific clothing that you're wearing. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you, that night you're like, hey, I want you to think this and then understand yeah. I'm exactly what you think. But other nights I, you're I like, see that. yeah, I, you need to focus on me and the words that I'm saying. Don't, don't focus on anything else. So you kind of try to erase any previous identities. And uh, if somebody can point out that you used to be in the military, it, you're probably presenting like a like you probably still got the shaved <laughs> hair. I had that for a while. Yeah. Um, you're bringing up stories about the military, thinking it's relatable, but forgetting that inside joke world when you're like, okay, so he shows up to the command. And you're like, oh, wait, they yeah, don't no, know. That, yeah. And a unit, you know, and I see it all the time where uh, I, I've seen a few comics do well from doing the from military to, to regular jokes, but but most get hung up on their day job. And and it's 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 kind of the first step in comedy. Talk about the things that you know and that um, you want people to talk about on a regular basis, but they don't typically talk about it. So you're like, ooh, sex, it's so taboo. So yeah, it, and like I, think, I think that's where like a lot of uh, things come from, it, especially for me is just weird things that, that make it relatable that people don't talk about all the time, especially with having kids. Uh, and just all the crazy thing that kids do or say or words that they put into your mouth or the way that they understand things or the way that they do things like that's it's very relatable to me. And I find that funny. And I think that other people would find that relatable. So, I mean, that's just that's just me, though. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think um, with relatable topics, I think what is interesting what why comedy uh, this is my own personal philosophy also mind you i will say for the record i am an amateur comic i must state this for the record uh, <laughs> doing it for about seven and a half years i've got about five years experience i gotta you know put that out there all right so let me, well, let's let's diverge for a second so explain to the people that are listening the way that comics work right so you're are you still an open micer I am still an open micer. I, I've been on shows where I've gotten paid to be there. Uh -huh. um, so you have different kinds of like, I guess the, the first one's going to be, you'll be performing at a show where they're like, hey, we're going to hand out a tip jar afterwards, whatever we get, we split. And then there's a, hey, I haven't established 10 or $15 for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's like that next level of like, you know, doing like official bar show, not bar, uh, but like comedy clubs for a specific spot. Um, and I think that works best if the if the comics around you don't quite know you because like if you're performing at these clubs at their open mic, they know you're an open micer. And so yeah. if you ask for like a position there or something like, hey, can I be on that show and can I get you know some money in return? They're like, you're an open micer. You're doing it for the <laughs> the internship essentially, you know. Yeah. Um, so the odds of you ever getting paid little to none in the beginning. Like I'm not at the the payment level yet where you know it's got to be anything major. It's like a <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like ten dollars here. Don't quit your day job type, type. Yeah, type gig. <laughs> yeah. You found more money on the street than you'll make <laughs> out here. <laughs> um, but uh, I have performed in front of you know crowds of like a hundred plus people. Um, I've hosted multiple nights. Um, I think uh, the biggest person I've opened for uh, was, or actually, you know what? I didn't even open that show. I was just on it. Never mind. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I performed with some people who have been on Comedy Central, and then. You know, the majority of the shows are just uh, uh, anything that kind of pops up where, uh, you know, they have an extra spot or somebody, yeah. somebody cancel their spot, essentially. So but, from yeah. what, so what, so from what I've learned, you usually go from like open mic to like kind of like a paid regular to a middle to a headliner 
and then you can go wherever you want to from a headliner. So I don't think it's necessarily like that A to B. Like it, it you those can skip things around. Would, that's those like things the, the would typical pan out. path that you would take. Yeah, I would. Okay, so I would say most most people don't have. Um, it, it depends on where you're at. Like, what kind of scene do you have? How big is the scene? Um, how many people do you have that are top performers? How many? you know, solid 45 minute acts are there in your local scene? Because yeah. whoever those people are, they're probably going to hover at the top. And that's going to, um, that's going to keep a lot of the positions that you can perform at different. So you're, you either have to travel yourself, which is where you're always going to get more recognition. If you say, mm-hmm. Hey, I got a tape I can give you. Um, can you put me on a spot out there? If you can get like two professionals to vouch for you and say like, Hey, I, I that, that person's AJ squared away. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to find a connect of sorts, you know. Uh, so the odds of getting to that point, it's just about how much you work. Uh, writing is everything, and most people, whatever they think they're writing, they're not writing enough. That's the one thing I tell myself every day: is I'm just not writing enough. I definitely need to write yeah. more. Every every comic needs to write more, and they'll never tell you to not write more. Um, oh, for sure. Like uh, so when, you, when I had texted you, I was writing then, and I was like. You hit me up. I was like, "Sweet, I got something to do this afternoon." So, was, yeah. nice. Yeah, writing. Um, I will say there is something to um, that whole ten thousand hour rule, where you know you're not a real skill master in anything that you haven't put ten thousand uh, hours of work into. And uh, why comedy is, is good is because you have to learn to interact with people, the crowd. Whether it's they're laughing at your jokes, they're not laughing, they're doing a quick laugh, you know, like, huh, but that's it, not the yeah. belly. <laughs> what? Like, you start to learn to decipher, like, what, what kind of material gets those laughs? How do I react and work with it, especially on the negative side? Because you're going to bomb so much more than you're going to do well. <laughs> yeah, like, like, there's always one crowd that laughs real hard at your one joke. And so in your head, you think it's that performance level every time. So yeah. then you get in front of this new crowd and they're like, we only kind of like it. And then yeah. you get in front of another crowd and like, we also only kind of like it. And you're like, oh man. So you thought you had this A winning champion and now it's like, no, no, it's just kind of, eh. So now yeah. you're, you're kind of coasting through some areas. You might mess up here or there. Yeah. So it turns into a bomb more than a, a coast. <laughs> and uh and you're like, maybe it's the timing. Okay, I'm going to go up. I'm going to do the exact same thing with different timing. You're like, nope, wasn't the timing. You're like, maybe it's the words. What if I switch these two around? Like, nope, wasn't the words. You're like, maybe I'm approaching the subject too harshly at first. Maybe I got to put something a little softer to ease us in there. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what it was. They enjoy this part more it's when delivery. they get a little warm up. Yeah. You got to ease it. You got to ease it in. You just can't put the whole thing in at once. Yeah. But you're taking in all the variables because you'll go, was it the crowd? Was I the... Uh, 85th comic they watched perform three yeah. minutes in a row okay. all right all right <laughs> you know um maybe maybe i missed something maybe there was an event that happened recently that's kind of hitting everybody close to home and i didn't even realize the things that i'm saying might be an accidental metaphor you know yeah. I mean, <laughs> um true yeah there, there's just so many variables so you gotta you gotta 100 understand why something didn't work and then so you know what to change about it and then you've got to do that test run of just does this work does this work all right. Yeah. So where did where did you start at? Like when did you find out that you were funny? Um, I <laughs> in my head at the time, I considered <laughs> myself to be funny. I don't think I'm funny. 
I think I'm interesting and I've learned how to say things that are funny. I think there's an aura to people who are really funny, you know, like, like they just constantly go, they constantly have your cheeks hurting, you know, like they can take anything you say and just warp it. I think I'm interesting though. I think I, I can steer the conversation to, to interesting stuff. And I feel like I just reveal more about what the person I'm talking to uh, truly thinks like they're getting permission to say their, their thoughts out loud. So okay. how I'm making it up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got started. Uh, well, I, 2015 was when I thought maybe I'm good enough to get on stage. Not because again, I, I thought I was good, but you know, I, I feel like I got the jokes with my friends um, we're constantly, you're military. So you're with your friends. You're just yep. always ripping on each other. You know, <laughs> it is, it's not a very positive community in the sense of direction. <laughs> like yeah, no. it's not malicious, but it's, it definitely doesn't sound positive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, yeah. Like for the most part, the way that I would explain it is that it would be very uh, degrading to your personality. And that's because, and mostly because that's the easiest thing to pick on is somebody that's different or somebody that has a quirk about them. But it's in no way, shape, or form demeaning, which is completely yeah. different. Uh, and just to put people out there, like we're not degrade, like we're, we'll degrade each other to a very far extent, but we're not going to demean anybody so that they make them feel bad about themselves. It's all in good fun. You know, you know what it is? It's um, uh, in the military, you're closer than regular people you're you're with them day and night you're working the same jobs um so you're rooting for them as if like they're they're literally your brother you know because like these are the people that you'll get an apartment with these are the people that you end up starting families at the same time with those kind of situations you know your paths go sideways to the country and maybe you guys might run into each other another, another command you know so yeah, when when these are the people at your weddings and stuff, they they really do become like your your brother. So it's it's like, what would you rip on your brother for? You know, if you exactly. two were going at it. Yeah. Um, but, but you just learn. It's like everyone's learning that that's the thing. So the quicker you realize, hey, we're just we're just all relatives out here. Like the quicker you assimilate in the military, because I feel oh, like sure. not everyone had that kind of friendship back home. You know. No. Yeah. No. There's always that kind of reservedness with, you know, even when I uh, I call people back home and you don't see them all the time. So it's not that same closeness that you would have. So, yeah. 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 But, I do remember uh, as a kid, I did like a little bit of spotlight. Like um, uh, I remember when like CSI would come on, I would just sing the theme song. The Hoo! That one. <laughs> Uh, and I would sing it with the broom. And I, I think like if you break down your experience, I'm just a child receiving attention from my parents. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, they like it when I pretend to sing. Whatever this is, I like this. This, this moment is good. Yeah. You know? uh, so I, I say a little bit of performance I like. Um, but uh, I, I don't think I did anything really as a kid that really made me stand out as the funny. But you know what it is? It is a form of like isolation and weirdness. So like me being homeschooled, definitely you know maybe it just made me uh not get attracted to to typical situations i was very much not to say in my comfort zone but i knew like hey peer pressure has nothing to do with me right now like i don't i don't fall to those kind of things so i'm okay being a loser (laughs) yeah so i was like hey if if i'm playing you know pokemon cards or something like i'm cool with it until i'm not cool with it you know it's not Hey, everyone here doesn't like the fact that you're a grown little boy playing Pokemon. It's just you and your dad playing Pokemon cards. You got three fire and a Charizard. Dad, what are you gonna do? What's your next move, man? Yeah, and I'm 20 at the time. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think the people that you'll typically see in comedy are, are those who um, they kind of feel like, why not? I feel like uh, if you go through a lot of bad experiences or unfortunate experiences, um, you kind of just get this this like out of all the people to tell a weird story, shouldn't I get a, a shot at it? Oh, for sure. There's there's there plenty of people out there. there. And per, oh, good night. Dog's making a special appearance. Um, was it a, a King Cocker Spaniel? Uh, it is a Cavapoo, Cavalier King Charles Poodle Mix. Good night. Well, I mean, the people will be able to see this because it's going on YouTube and Spotify. So they'll be You're able to see it. Some dog points. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. Bring back the dog. Do more interviews with that guy with the dog. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of people like, and the thing too is a lot of people find those experiences relatable, right? Like, uh, I'll give a shout out to Ryan Sickler who does the Honeydew podcast and yeah. his like storytellers, like behind the scenes of like what people actually tick and like what's actually happened to him has been just so mind blowing to me. Like of every, of ever, all, all the people that are out there like a majority of them are comics and they all have some type of uh, detrimental thing that happens to them or some big significant thing that happens in their life that makes them turn to comedy. And it's just, it's very eye opening to see something. You can turn those, those bads into a positive. And that's just one of the things like you're like, makes you feel like you're not alone while you're out there. It makes it very yeah. relatable. And I think that's like the biggest thing too, is like making it relatable to the things that have gone in your life because like, you're not the only person that's done that or has experienced that type of thing. So. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the other thing is you get to talk about weird experiences, uh, but how you're talking about your unique experience, you're saying that it affected you in a very specific way that uh, the people, the audience, put their own story. They they remember the time they felt that way in a situation. So oh yeah, you're, you're essentially allowing them to live this weird experience because they know how that feeling feels in the moment. So they go, oh, if I just live that weird of a life, that's exactly who I would be because I know that. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's a there's there's a lot to comedy. I would uh, have you have you actually uh, witnessed a few open mics? Uh, I've never gone to an open mic. The only show I went to uh, Burt Kreischer's show when he came up here to Seattle. My wife took me for my birthday. Um, nice. Yeah. No, it was a blast. Um, Jose uh, Trejo opened, um, and it was, nope. it was like it was just a good experience. And then, like, I've always been drawn to it. And I don't know if it's just something, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just my draw to having anxiety uh, before doing something that really uh, gets me going. Uh, but anything that gives me a lot of anxiety, I usually get drawn towards. And so, like, that nervous feeling or uh, the heart palpitations, feel like I'm fixing to have a heart yeah. attack. Um, is really what gets me going. So, I mean, like that's, that's something that like really drew me to it is standing up in front of a crowd and to relate that to uh, military life and the things that I used to do, cause I'm on shore duty fixing to retire, but being on a ship in front of a duty section and being able to make that entertaining for them so that they can understand the information that I'm giving them and yeah. 
not like fall asleep, but I've always been that kind of social butterfly and wanted to have that type of attention towards me. And maybe that's just me being self-deprecating of wanting all eyes on me or the spotlight on me, but it's just something that's kind of drawn. I don't know, like how to, I don't know how to explain it. You, you know what it is? Um, I thought about this. Um, I don't, I don't consider myself to be like a leader, even though I've taken charge of a, a number of situations. Um, but I, I, there's something to when so many people are doing bad around you, you think, well, if we're not going to do it right, I might as well be in charge of this because apparently oh, sure. you guys could do it. Yeah. And I, I think because of that, especially after you go to a few open mics, you'll feel the same way. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I've got way more better direction. Than these guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is I have no idea if I would or not. <laughs> I'm telling you, because in every scene, there's always about like 200 amateurs. And there's about, I would say, 50 of them who write. And I think about 20 of them who actually write. And about 10 of them who actually perform like comedies in their future. And yeah. there's probably like two of them that might make it. Yeah. You know? It's a very small group, but there's like over 150 plus people who are just like. So like, where do you like perfect world? Where do you, where would you want to go? To perform? Not, not so much perform, but like career wise, like, like, would you want to keep your day job or would you rather be a comedian the rest of your life? rather be a comedian the rest of your life because you, you think about it you choose your schedule right you're in control of where you want to go it adds on extra things theoretically so, you're in charge of your yeah. schedule theoretically yes theoretically. Uh, we're, we're talking of uh, a medium grade um i imagine a, a medium grade uh comedian could uh choose when they want to go right so yeah. maybe they do like half a year of traveling or, or a majority so you're of the a middle now. yeah um not a bottom <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to the film, right? I'm like I'm gonna be a power bottom. <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh, uh, where where would I go? Like, do you travel outside of San Diego to do comedy? Uh, not not typically, no. Okay, well, I mean, I would like I, I I don't know if you travel out like because I know that L.A., New York are the meccas uh, for what's there, and I know like a lot of people, uh, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr. Um, fuck the names excuse me but like they started in boston right um but yes. in san diego like what is the scene in san diego as far as comedy um i just realized uh so i have performed up in washington and, and uh, uh san diego i've also gone to la uh for a okay. few things so if that counts but that's the same state so well no i mean right. it does because i mean it's la is a different i mean yeah I, mean, I don't want anyone to think oh, man, it only stays if you live in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've done a little bit of traveling, but I'm like, does that even count? It's only two hours away. But um, to me. Uh, so you, you were asking, uh, what, what does the scene look like? Yeah. Um, so right now we have about, so there's one major mic that happens every night of the week. Um, and it's like later on in the night, somewhere between uh, seven and 10. Okay. Uh, of the day it'll start there but every night of the week you get a chance to go up there uh then there's like a few bar mics throughout the week so like on monday if you travel maybe uh 20 minutes east you'll get to do like seven minutes at a, at a bar right then you'll travel like another 40 minutes west and then you'll be able to do uh, a five minute set at another bar you know then you'll go 20 minutes south and 
uh, you'll be in downtown and then you'll do Madhouse, right? Um, so you'll go through like different versions of that. Sometimes it's 40 minutes up, sometimes it's um, seven minutes at one place, five minutes at another, three minutes at another, but there's only about uh, two actual comedy clubs. They have La Jolla Comedy Club, uh, the La Jolla Comedy Store, and then, um, and then they have the American Comedy Company. Uh, those are the other two apart from Madhouse, which are like actual comedy clubs yeah. that do open mics that have a regular uh, uh, scene, like a, a constant mic going. Um, they just reopened the uh, the comedy store open mic for La Jolla. So uh, that one gets a little bit more popular just because uh, the kind of comics that come down from LA just to perform, just to get there yeah. an extra seven minutes of practice, you know, so. But yeah, that's a standard. Um, they have a few. So I think if you're starting out, what you're going to want to look for is there are a few comics who do their own like once a month show or once a week show. Um, so you might want to start there. Like if you if you build like a solid like 10 minutes of material uh, mm. and it's like good, you know, like, OK, solid 10 minutes of laughter. You know what you're doing. Um, they'll probably put you on one of their shows where they're booking like maybe um, one one headliner from LA, um, one feature act from a local, and uh, and like a, maybe two or three kind of mid-grade openers. Um, so those shows are more common. I would say like maybe once or twice a week, um, and that's kind of like the first thing that you would be looking forward to doing is is one of those kind of shows. Yeah. yeah. No, I got you on that. So, like, with where you're at now, where do you see yourself going with the the preparation and the the practice that you put in? Um, I like would if say you had to give yourself a grade. If I had to give myself a grade, ugh, I would definitely say C minus to C plus. <laughs> That's like right the hardest now. thing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not failing because I'm definitely getting better with the, the subjects that I want to talk about. I'm getting, um, I'd say, smoother with the transition. I'm definitely, it's it's definitely rocky the first month or two. <laughs> with the, oh, I can uh, imagine. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I would say the, ne the next step that I need to, or that I would like to see is uh, just having a regular occurrence in the shows because there's a lot of it that's just like, uh, you have to be around. A lot of people don't just call and go, hey, I was thinking about making a show. And I thought, you oh, yeah. it's like, hey, um, we just got done doing a show out here. Somebody saw that they liked some of the performers and like, hey, we're going to post another show in a month, a month or two. Do you want to be on it? So you just got to always be there most of the time. Like mm -hmm. connections are really uh, a big thing. And then um, I want to start building an online presence. There's something to uh, having a built in audience when you start going places because Sure. realistically you i've seen killers with with uh not as much of an audience presence as they would hope and they go to these clubs they're headlining and like 10 people show up and that sucks you're like yo this guy's a killer and he's only got 10 people in the crowd like how did the world not know about his greatness and it's like for sure you, you got to build some sort of a following and then, and then that leads me to my next question is how do you like your online presence how do you feel like you could uh, up your followers like do you think it's just more content or do you think it's yes. better what? content 
or more content i only have like 70 posts on instagram i I think uh yeah i'm constantly deleting stuff and i i've only been thinking about posting stuff like uh you know in a humoristic manner um to exploit follows uh within like the past like two to three years you know yeah Uh, because you every year you kind of seeing that it's more doable with how many people are doing it and posting their content and they're making an easier guideline, essentially, you know, make a video, make sure it has text so people could read oh, it. Sure. You know, like these are small things, but if you can pick up on that, then you're thinking, well, if I can do that, I can do what that guy's doing, which is what gets you into comedy in the first place, thinking something is so much easier than it is. Exactly. And it's not. <laughs> exactly. But, but no, I think that that's all realistically that's all it is is you just have to build a small fan base where like so every time you're on a show or every time you're on a mic um there's going to be a new audience member who doesn't know you right and you don't have to do well with 50 people you just have to do well with one person and if that person later on after the show goes hey what's your social media i want to follow you well now you got one fan and and you're going to build your skill set good enough where it's like it's two or three people after every show And then if you're just having a consistent number of followers who are just looking up your content, they can't wait to see you next year to see what you've upgraded in your act. You know, um, before COVID, I started getting in that kind of a rhythm where I was performing regularly on the weekends and, um, and I would be in public uh, places and people would be like, uh, you're a funny guy. And I'd be like, uh, do I know you? And Oh, I saw your show uh, like two days ago. Oh, okay. Like I thought you were insulting me at first, you know? (laughs) Uh, I had one guy at the gym, you know, he was like doing the take your earbud thing out. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and he's like, hey, did you do comedy? <laughs> like, I know that voice. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then he just like walked off. And That's I was just funny. like, like, he didn't say anything negative or positive. <laughs> he's like, I know your voice from that one joke that you told me where my voice doesn't match my body and I'm dating a white chick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, okay, dude, did you like the show? Did you not? You're not going to give me, you just, you just looked for somebody. Hey, but, no, uh, like, so, yeah. Yeah, no. I think that it was feels, like, good. yeah, no, that was like one of the funniest things. Like, uh, I think you opened with that, with my voice doesn't match my body. And I was like, I was yeah. in stitches. Cause yeah. I know you personally, like, <laughs> from before but mm-hmm. it's like it was it was just fucking hilarious yeah there are days where i i know i don't have to there's some there's like a, a mind you i hear my voice way lower than it really is right so yeah, if a, i listen to <laughs> only only when i listen to it do i see what other people see and i go oh wow yeah that is ridiculous um but there's something to um if if it, anytime you go on stage there's two things that you generally need to do. One, you need to, you don't have to, but this is just a good benefit of the doubt. Kind of a, like, it really helps you out. Um, is if you, if you make fun of yourself, uh, oh, because sure. most of the comedies you're making fun of somebody else, but if there's something to, if people don't know you have a good sense of humor, you just think you're God and you're like, oh, yeah. to all these people, yeah, like they'll, they'll tell you, they'll hold back their laughter. Like they'll understand what you're saying is funny, but they don't like you yeah. as a person. So they'll hold stuff back. And not every crowd is that crowd. A lot of people, there's certain crowds where the second you walk on stage, they're just like, prove it. Prove that you're funny. Be a funny person. Don't just do material. Dog. I want to see you interact with everyone. I want to yeah. see you interact with this energy we're giving you right now. Like, 
like they, they make you work for it. other other crowds you walk in they're just like say anything that's like in cadence with the joke and we'll laugh yeah so it, it just depends but um yeah the, the the goal is just make a few fans every time and then just get better at making those fans so right now i'm i'm uh i'm learning more to speak truthfully versus you know kind of play it as a character of sorts uh, i think that's if you can if you can do that on stage if you can just be yourself yeah. figuring out how to be yourself even if you know something is funny and it works this way it's like but is that how you talk is that how you present exactly. things in real life like, like at how, some point like how much on. embellishment do you actually want to put on this joke yeah yeah, yeah. And, and the concepts too you know uh it's easy to figure out what people respond to it's easy to just go oh i saw a comic do a bit like this i can do something very similar you know exactly it, it's it's hard to figure out something that's original that uh that you can make not just interesting but it has to be you know captivating almost like or i would say original in the sense that oh i've never heard any of these words or thoughts put together before you know yeah but, uh, so it, it, I mean, then you go back to the originality of it. And it, I mean, I, I related to back to uh, tattoos, like how many tattoos are actually original in what they actually do. Um, they're exactly like, like tattoos. That is so, like, such a good analogy. <laughs> like, everybody has a joke about everything, right? Like there's so many yeah. comics that are out there, but there's so many people that have tattoos. Like what, what makes you original about it? So, yeah. Yeah. And you know what, you know what the first part, the, the very first part about doing stand-up comedy is um, uh, it's going to be referred to as your voice, but like, that's, I think that's like the last notch just to put your voice on it. Um, there's like this machine, this box you got to create where you take a premise, you put it in the box and then out comes the joke with all the mm. punchlines, the tags, yeah. in it, you know, but learning how to make this thing into that, that machine, it, that's what you're doing the first like. Yeah know two to five years it's just figuring out how do i get a premise how do i make a punchline how do i follow it up with the tag you'd be surprised how many people when they start they'll they'll have a really good premise that's humorous in nature right so if you present it it makes you go hmm, that's ironic you yeah. know um but it's not laugh out loud fun and so like when you're new you thought just just merely mentioning it yeah. was going to make somebody laugh and and you forget you need tags to follow it up like explain your idea you know paint the picture you just brought up a fun like wouldn't it be funny if and yeah. that's it that's all you you had so so mm. that would be the first step is for for if you want to know what it's going to be like uh starting out and giving uh you know two cents for every every new person in the comedy scene that that's the thing you want to learn is how to get your punchlines in how to get your tags in but don't forget don't just present a, a premise yeah. and then think that they're going to run away with it so who do you look up to right now uh in the comedy scene or in just life or well no like uh well i mean both like let's go comedy scene first like if if you had to like who do you draw inspiration from or the way that they deliver jokes Who's your your inspiration for that? Like, who's somebody that you would go onto Netflix and actually watch? Well, I mean, because not really Netflix, but who would you go out? Who would you pay money to a ticket for to go and watch? Yeah. And then, like in life, uh, who's your inspiration? Um, so uh, comics like Michelle Wolf, like she's a she writes so much. Like, if you see how long she stays on a premise, and she, it's like she squeezes the juices, she takes the joke this way. 
she brings it back she takes it this way she brings it back she takes it this way like that, that's it's it's a beautiful skill um mm-hmm. and uh she yeah she just writes so much uh there's something too because like the majority of comics are going to have like a good you know chunks here like i present the the topic and then it's it, what if it went vice versa you know it's, yeah. it's got like two part but she just goes in like six different directions with just one premise and, and that's very impressive to me she she really inspired me to uh uh to write one of my first like decent sized bits um so i know she's a big influence um bill burr for sure um his stance in life, like I'm a, I'm the opposite of Bill Burr. I'm like a super spaz. I get freaked out by everything. <laughs> and, uh, and so like, if we're yin and yang, like that's the energy I need, I need to be around people like that to, yeah. to be like, shut up. It's going to be fine. You know? <laughs> like I can murder a bear, but I have to be convinced. Like I need somebody to go, no, seriously, you could do it. Just run out of <laughs> Without that, I'm going to, I'm just going to die. But yeah. Um, so it's that 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 uh that solid serious like quit the bullshit don't don't be extra energy that's that's really dope from him um patrice o'neill that's he's like an alien in concepts like there's like oh no no that's a that's a funny person who learned like they were always that like not to say any of the other ones weren't funny but just like that's the that's who you model that's the the one fish that's swimming in the pond and all the other fish have to compete like if you're not as big as this fish you're not the biggest fish you know yeah for sure and uh and so like that that energy of just like being real and and uh getting people to laugh at something that they don't want to laugh at like seeing like patrice o'neill people like andrew schultz like that that uh you you bring something up they don't want to laugh at it you keep going with your description and then they just keep start they just lose their mind in laughter mm. yeah. that's that's the that's the good one when people don't want to show that they're laughing at something like they're covering up their face they're like i don't want people to think that i'm a bad person because i'm laughing at what you <laughs> that like i always find that the funniest like the people that don't want to laugh but they are laughing just because they don't want to be judged by other people around them but like i find this freaking hilarious yeah, yeah yeah it's it is it is a good feeling it's a very great feeling oh for um, sure yeah yeah and you know what the other good thing is uh even if you're not the kind of person not you specifically but the world if you're not the kind of person who wants to pursue a career in comedy um i would say it definitely teaches you how to how to laugh at like hard situations mm, and because sure. like you, you start figuring out the irony in something extra quick you start telling a funny narrative you're already thinking about how you're going to make this into whether you're talking you know just telling the story of your real life happening at like a party or something or if you're thinking about is this going to be a bit on stage because it's probably going to be both if you're doing open mics it's going to be both oh for sure and then uh one last thing um who do you think like who's your class like give a shout out to your class and then where can we find you at um so I started in 2015. Mm-hmm. So whatever that class period is. Um, like who are your been, peers now? Uh, well, it's different because uh, I'm, I'm only in technically one scene. Like Washington, whoever's there now probably doesn't even remember who I am. Yeah. So there's no real, it's, it's the year you graduate, but not, not like I don't know the, all the peers, you know? And uh, truth be told, the people that perform at my level might not also be the same year group. They might've had more experience 
but yeah. we're still performing the same level and the same vice versa. Some of them are like a year in and, and they just, they just hit the ground running. They knew to write, they knew to live the life, like all of it. Um, just because of their life, like how, uh, how much time would you have if you didn't have four kids? You know, oh, well, I'd have so much time, so much time. So it's like yeah. that difference where it's like, yeah, if yeah. I had so much time, you know how much more of the same work I can oh, get done. Sure. Yeah. Like just this podcast alone. Like I have this podcast and another podcast and that takes up all my time. Yeah. So it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's the other thing. That's the, the time management. You got to learn it. You got to learn it. If you're going to, if you're going to be happy and have that nice balance of like, um, your, you know, extreme chill and your extreme highs, like getting a, a slight adrenaline rush, like, yeah, yeah. No. These are dope options. Um, social media, uh, smirk worthy Remy. That's going to be on Instagram and TikTok. All right. So just Instagram, TikTok. That's all you're, that's all you got. Yeah. So where are you going to be at this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I'm staying home. I'm scrubbing my entire database of jokes. Uh, mm. There's some old ones in there that don't need to be there. I need to start typing in some new ones, making sure I have a file because uh, I, I lose paper sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, so final question uh, for the people that are in San Diego, where can we find you at? Um, you can see me on any given night at the Madhouse Comedy Club on a Tuesday, uh, occasional weekends at, uh, the American Comedy Company, um, on a, what is it, also on a Tuesday at the Comedy Store, uh, in La Jolla, uh, there's a couple of bars around, <laughs> um, yeah, if you're in San Diego, hit me up and I'll, uh, I'll make sure I can get a fan somewhere. <laughs> All right, so. driver. <laughs> But yeah, so we'll put this out. Um, as always, you can find us at Two Dummies uh, on Instagram. That has a link tree to everything. Uh, go follow Smirkworthy Remy on Instagram. Uh, hit him up in the DMs. I'm sure his girlfriend won't mind you sliding into his DMs as long as it's comedy related. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I know you weren't doing anything, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of, uh, out of your fun. day to, uh, to come and talk to me. Um, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this. Uh, uh, like I said, as you just witnessed, I can I can rant for a couple of minutes without air. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed this. Uh, you know, anytime, anytime you need some more information or if you want to dive in on some topics, you let me know. Oh, I got plenty of topics. Don't even get me started on topics. Uh, but yeah, no, so definitely up and coming right here. Uh, just make sure you go like subscribe and follow to everything, uh, Remy Perez related. Uh, he's got a gorgeous smile. Look, there's all those white teeth. Um, but yeah, so once again, two dummies at a microphone, Instagram smirkworthy Remy on Instagram, go like subscribe and follow, buy a ticket, get on his, just give him five bucks, dude. Who cares? Just see him on the screen. <laughs> just give him five dollars. Yeah, uh, but anyway, <laughs> help him pay. Help him pay for his dog food. But anyways, we'll see y'all next time. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch y'all later. All right, man. Take it easy.